What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Nick Saban staying mum on the Alabama quarterback battle while they play a game this Saturday. Depth chart? What depth chart from Nick Saban? We'll talk about the latest Alabama uh, on the Alabama quarterback situation with Luke Robinson of Locked on Bama and some tidbits from every SEC team heading into week one, including a game time change for Arkansas. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are Locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your team every day. Plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over at Alabama as Nick Saban is not announcing a depth chart for Alabama ahead of their week one opener versus Middle Tennessee State. Nick Saban said, uh, look, I know that your number one focus is not on the game. It's on the depth chart. And look, there's a lot of competition on the team. And when we put a depth chart out, you all think that that's final. Like this is etched in stone, that it's going to be this way forever just because we've come out of fall camp and that's where it is. Saban said, put out a depth chart, creates, quote, a lot of distractions on our team. Creates a lot of guys thinking, well, this guy won the job now and I'm not going to play or whatever. Quite frankly, we don't need that. I want all our guys to continue to compete, compete for playing time, try and play at their highest level. I don't want anybody on the team to think they're a backup or whatever. Of course, all eyes are on that quarterback spot. And uh, Jalen Milrow, uh, a lot of people expect, we'll get the ball first this Saturday, but we will see Ty Ty Simpson, maybe Tyler Buckner, whoever else. But uh, look, it just feels like Nick Saban saying, put out a depth chart would create a lot of distraction to me. It creates just as much of a distraction by not putting out a depth chart. But that's just me. Um, I, I think this speaks more to where they are with the quarterback spot. I mean, I, we, we've said it all offseason. You know, replacing Bryce Young is not easy. But I think they really don't know who the best guy is right now. Or rather, you know, the best guy hasn't stepped up and earned that spot yet. So just a fascinating thing to watch. Look, I think Alabama could still be very good. Uh, we'll talk about Luke Robinson in a little bit of Locked on Bama. We'll get his thoughts, first-hand account on what this all means for Alabama, who who we expect to be the starter this weekend. But, uh, yeah, a little surprising. Saban going that route, saying we're not announcing the starter. We're not even releasing a depth chart. These guys will have to go out there and earn it this weekend. All right, over at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher, he announced uh, – he released a depth chart. He announced his quarterback – on Monday, Jimbo announcing that sophomore quarterback Connor Wegman is going to start this season. Fisher said, quote, all camp has been evaluated. At the camp, at the end of camp, we have to make a choice, and that was it. Uh, Fisher said that as far as it goes with Wegman, he said, just keep playing great football with great decision-making, great accuracy with toughness and leadership, and the ability to help other players on the field. 
that's what they'll be looking for out of Connor Wegman. So a highly recruited kid, of course, Max Johnson, their backup, uh, started a handful of games at LSU before he transferred in. So two viable options, but Wegman's got that potential that they think uh, he can take his game to another level this year with, uh, you know, new OC calling the plays and Bobby Petrino. So we'll see what that looks like as AM plays New Mexico this coming Saturday. All right, over at Florida, the Gators are going to leave Gainesville a day early to head to Utah as that Tropical Storm Medallia is approaching the state. Uh, FloridaGators.com sharing Monday that Billy Napier and crew, are, they're going to head to Dallas today. Then they will leave for Salt Lake City on Wednesday as the Gators will play 14th-ranked Utah Thursday night. Uh, that Tropical Storm expected to make landfall as a Category 3 hurricane Wednesday morning, and of course that could have delayed Florida getting out of town in Gainesville with uh, heavy, heavy rains and storms and flooding and whatever else. So uh, Gators heading out west. They are uh, going to be head up in uh, sea level as well as, of course, Utah plays up in the mountains there. And uh, Billy Napier saying in his press conference the other day, the altitude, we've spent extensive time researching with our sports science and training staff. All indications tell us Stay in your normal routine. It takes 10 days to get adjusted, get in, get out. We've met with a lot of NFL teams regarding that as well. Big thing is just getting winded, right? I mean, that's that's the thing where a lot of basketball teams face when they go play the Denver Nuggets. Uh, but we'll see. Florida and Utah, man, two days away from that one kicking off. Excited for that. Over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman and his crew announcing they're going to open up their season this Saturday against Western Carolina a little bit earlier. Their game is moving up to noon. Uh, that's a change. The game was supposed to kick off at 3, but the weather forecast is calling for temps in the high 90s with a real high humidity in the afternoon. So they are moving the game up from 3 p.m. local time to noon. Uh, Arkansas Athletics notes that under the SEC's media deal with ESPN, schools are now allowed to dictate kick time for streaming-only games on SEC Network+. Plus. Uh, when asked about the kickoff change, Sam Pittman said uh, tailgating was something he hadn't even thought about. He said, look, I'm not worried about tailgating. I can tell you that. That's going to make people mad, but I don't care. We're trying to do what's best for our team and what's best for our fans. I would imagine three hours before at 9 o'clock when it's 80-something degrees versus 96, if you'd start at noon, it's probably better for our fans as well. Uh, Arkansas will play five of their first eight games at home. So, uh moving the game time up, although this one is going to be in uh, Little Rock at War Memorial. So, uh, Arkansas fans pretty split on that. A lot of them would prefer to keep games in Fayetteville. Some like the games and occasional game in Little Rock. So, anyway, uh, that's that. Arkansas playing earlier this Saturday. Over at Tennessee, they are preparing for uh, their opener this weekend, Josh Heupel talking with the media as uh, they prep for their game against Virginia. Josh Heupel saying uh, yesterday on the offensive side of the football, execution is paramount. doesn't matter how fast you play if you aren't executing. I think in opening games, all three phases of the game, you have a game plan. Everybody's had like seven months to prepare for this. Uh, Personnel is going to be different. you got to do a really good job of adjusting, and our staff and players have uh, have to do a good job of doing that. One of the players coming back for Tennessee, O-lineman Cooper Mays, 
who started 19 consecutive games for the Vols. He's been out the last couple weeks with an injury. Josh Eipelsan, we'll find out here as the week goes on his availability for this one. We've had two and a half, three weeks of different guys having the opportunity to play on the interior of the line if he can't go, and we feel confident in those guys. Uh, Tennessee releasing their depth chart for their opener uh, in Nashville against Virginia, and there were some oars on the depth chart, noticeably a good portion of the defense. Uh, Amari Thomas, Roman Harrison, and both linebackers, uh, Keenan Peely and Aaron Beasley, were expected to win jobs outright, so no big surprise there. Uh, Tamara McDonald at the star, Wesley Walker, Jalen McCullough at safety, and um, offensive line again, apart from center Cooper Mays, uh, Javante Spragans at uh, right guard. Uh, Squirrel White has been listed as the primary target out of the slot instead of Dante Thornton. But uh, look, against Virginia, it feels like if they get an early lead, they're going to be playing a ton of different guys. So I don't know how much a depth chart really means ahead of week one for Tennessee. Uh, over at LSU, Brian Kelly talking with the media about his team was asked about Harold Perkins and expectations for the sophomore linebacker who just had a phenomenal freshman season with seven and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. Uh, Brian Kelly said, look, I think you're going to see him make plays all over the field. His plays came mostly from the perimeter last year. He was a perimeter player who made a lot of his plays getting after the quarterback. He's still going to get after the quarterback. But he's also going to get after running backs, tight ends. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. Uh, they're saying that he's going to be more of an all-around type linebacker this year. He's going to be playing out in space a lot, dropping into coverage at times. Brian Kelly said, you will see a linebacker, not just a pass rush pass rush specialist. I'm excited to see the development of Harold Perkins. So, um, you know, look, some people wondering, LSU fans wondering, is that the best? You know, like, we know this guy's a really good pass rusher. Let's just keep having him do that, but Brian Kelly says uh, he's versatile. They want to use him in multiple different ways, so we'll see how LSU uses Harold Perkins coming up Sunday night against Florida State out in Orlando. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, more tidbits going around the conference. That is coming your way in just a second. Do want to remind you, college football season is here, and this season Locked on is kicking up our coverage each Friday. Locked on is going to go live from 11 a.m., to 1 Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel. Locked On College Football Live will cover the college football playoff implications, conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every day. Find Locked On College Football Live every Friday, 11 to 1 Eastern, on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss that. One of my news episodes brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, sometimes in life... We are faced with tough choices, and the path forward is not always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward uh, with confidence and excitement. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give our friends at BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire that'll get you matched up with a licensed therapist, and, of course, you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Go visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege. That's BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today. That'll get you 10% off your first month. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnCollege.
Going along here, Locked On SEC, and we got plenty more to dive back into, so we got to jump back into this as we are getting you ready for SEC Week 1 in the conference, and uh, shout out to our everydayers of coming out and checking us every day, and uh, of course, uh, thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Let's head over to Auburn next as they are going to be facing a familiar opponent in UMass, or at least... Hugh Freeze facing a familiar opponent. Uh, Don Brown over at UMass. Liberty and UMass both used to uh, be FBS independents, so they played one another every year. Liberty is now in Conference USA, of course, but Freeze knows what he's going up against in Don Brown and said it's going to be a dogfight. He said, I've played him every year the last four years. I saw a drastic improvement last year under Coach Brown. I have a lot of respect for him. I think he's one of the best defensive play callers in the country. Last year their record was atrocious, and they had a top 10 defense in the country. So, uh, look, Auburn's favored big, like, by five touchdowns or something. But uh be interested to see what the Hugh Freeze era looks like at Auburn. Kickoff will be 2.30 Central on ESPN this Saturday. Uh, Hugh Freeze also um, talking about his approach this year. He's excited about his running back room. He said, look, if you can run the ball, you can shorten the game. I think that might be advantageous to us this year. I think our running back room is solid top to bottom. Uh, one question mark, though, is, all right, Peyton Thorne's your starting quarterback. What does that mean for Robbie Ashford? Um, Hugh Freeze saying he's dealt with an oblique injury recently. Doesn't think it will prevent him from playing in the game against UMass. So uh, we'll see if we see Robbie Ashford in there or if they opt to just stick with Peyton Thorne and the running backs and that sort of thing this weekend. All right, over Georgia, the defending national champs, beginning their road to a three-peat. They're going to host Tennessee Martin Saturday nights at 6, uh, but they're dealing with a lot of injuries. And, of course, they announced last week Branson Robinson running back and a miss the entire season with a ruptured patella tendon. Uh, Kirby Smart talking about his running back room. He said, look, we're looking at everybody running back. We're trying to find the best way possible to get the ball in the hands of our playmakers. Really got a bunch of guys who've repped and done some good things there. Smart said Dejon Edwards was dealing with an MCL injury. Uh, had a similar injury last year. He said he's actually doing great. I think he's going to be able to practice and do everything today. So we feel good about Dejon's status. It happened in the second scrimmage. So I don't know what date that was, but he looks good. Kendall Milton, he's been dealing with a hamstring for much of fall camp. Kirby Smart said Milton feels 80% or 90% and hopes to get him back out of practice this week. Um, he went on to say, I feel good about Andrew Paul. Rod Robinson's had a great camp. Uh, really got a bunch of guys who've repped and done some good things there. So, look, based on the opponent that they're playing, I, I don't think they're going to struggle with Tennessee Martin. Just going to be probably a chance to get a lot of young running backs, some reps here, if some of the older guys are a little nicked up. Uh, also, Lawson Lucky, tight end. He's been dealing with an injury. Uh, Smart said he had to undergo tightrope surgery is out of, already out of a boot, walking around with pressure on his ankle. He said Lucky will be helping on special teams as he makes his way back to being 100%. In the meantime, he said guys like uh, Oscar Delp, Pierce Sperlin have been uh, guys that have picked up the load. Of course, Brock Bowers, the stud at tight end, he's going to do most of the legwork there. Uh, and then lastly, uh, other injuries at, at the cornerback spot. Uh, Kirby said they feel pretty good there. Kamari Lasseter, trying to get him fully help, healthy. He missed some of fall camp with a foot injury. He said Kamari's really been going now for a little over a week, practicing, taking his reps, 
We know he can hit and tackle. He's a really physical tackler. Uh, other guys, you said we got some really good competition going on there as well. Uh, trying to build depth, he said, in that secondary. Trying to uh, get experience for guys like Javon Bullard and others. So, going to be interesting to see what Georgia looks like. Again, heavy, heavy favorites against uh, their opponent this weekend. So, we'll see what the reigning champs look like and who plays. Over at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. Not a big fan of the new clock rule change. For those of you who watched the games this past Saturday, it was evident, you know, first downs and stepping out of bounds. That clock keeps running. Uh, Ole Miss coach made it known on Monday. He's not a big fan of the new rules. Uh, The clock no longer stops on first downs unless it's within the final two minutes of a half. Kevin said, I don't like it. I like change when it's needed. I'm sure most offensive guys don't like it and defensive guys do. It was a glaring difference. Only so many games played this weekend. It was 1.6, 1.7% different in possessions last year, which is a lot. That'd be a big difference. I think the game was very exciting. I think college football is exciting. Fans love it. So I don't think this change is good at all. The rules were put into place to speed up games, and uh, several last week's games were faster than average games a year ago. My question is, who was complaining? Who was complaining? God, this three-and-a-half-hour football game is so long. Yeah, if you don't like it, go watch baseball or something. Like, what are we doing here? Anyway, that's <laughs> I'm with I'm with Lane Kiffin here. I'm fine with look. We could try it out for a year, but if, if at the end of the year we all agree consensus it sucks, we'll just go back to stopping the clock again. Again, we've been doing it for decades. Get a first down. The clock stops while you move the change. We don't need to save times. And like Kiffin said, I mean, if you're averaging one and a half less possessions, that's huge. All right, other news. Over at South Carolina, Shane Beamer getting ready for his game against North Carolina this weekend. He had his coaches show this week and was asked about uh, the matchup with North Carolina and some of the guys they've got to stop. And one of those guys is Tar Heel quarterback Drake May, expected by a lot of people to be going to be a top five pick in next year's draft. Shane Beamer said Drake is a really talented player, not just as a thrower, but as an athlete, being able to run around. So we got to do a great job to corral him. And that also means offensively. We've got to be able to stay on the field and score points, put together some long drives because you're facing a team with a really good quarterback. Drake May was the leading rusher for North Carolina last year, had just under 700 rushing yards and seven touchdowns. Um, South Carolina's rush defense was not great last year. It's been a big emphasis of focus this offseason, so we'll see how improved they are. Over at Kentucky, uh, some bad news. Mark Stoop sharing on Monday that Ben Chrisman, a transfer from Ohio State, is going to miss the entire season. He's one of the top linemen recruits in the class of 2021, was a four-star. Uh, chose Ohio State over other schools. Spent two seasons there, transferred into Kentucky, six foot six, 320 pounds, and uh, he is going to miss this year. Stoops also said that Nick Hall uh, remains out one of their other linemen. So Kentucky going to face Ball State this Saturday at noon on the SEC Network opening their season. Over at Missouri, Eli Drinkwitz uh, still not showing his hand about his how he's going to use his quarterbacks this Thursday night against South Dakota. He said, I want to be as forthright on information as we can, but I'm never going to put our program in jeopardy and give away a competitive advantage. So I've already said multiple quarterbacks are going to play. You can either buy a ticket and see it firsthand Or you can catch us on Twitter, but I'm not going to preview it early for anybody. It's called The Art of Suspense. Uh, Brady Cook expects to be.
be the starter, but we may see Sam Horn or even uh, the Miami transfer, Jake Garcia. So, see what Mizzou looks like Thursday night. Lastly, over at Vanderbilt, uh, Clark Lee talking to the media about his quarterback, A.J. Swan, and said, look, A.J. was sloppy. He needs to clean up his play a little bit, and that's going to be about being on time and in location with the ball and getting out of his hands faster. When you look at the advanced stats on three sports, said uh, 16% of uh, A.J. Swan's passes were uncatchable. Nearly 7% of his passes were labeled as interceptable. So, I'll see if he cleans that up. Thank you guys so much for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the Alabama quarterback battle with Luke Robinson. That's coming your way in just a sec. But first, I want to remind you guys, this episode is presented to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Look, get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. They are America's number one sports book right now. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can be on everything from or bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So go visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today. Kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. They are FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Rolling along here, locked on SEC on officially week one of SEC play. It is game week, and uh, joining us now to talk about one of the biggest topics uh, that we didn't really get resolution on yesterday, uh, Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Saban taking the podium yesterday ahead of game week, week one against Middle Tennessee State, and uh, not announcing who his quarterback's going to be. In fact, doing something he hasn't done in 17 years not release a depth chart. And joining us uh, to talk about this is our buddy Luke Robinson, host of Locked on Bama. Luke, welcome in. Uh, how surprised were you uh, Nick Saban doesn't release a depth chart? And his reasoning, he didn't want to create a lot of distractions. Uh, one could argue this creates distractions, not announcing a depth chart. How are you, man? I'm doing great, first of all. Thanks for having me. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I personally, as somebody who dabbles in the media i would appreciate a depth chart and somebody who has a podcast i would appreciate a depth chart because it would give us some closure but on the other side it gives us a lot more to talk about so i'm sort of 50 50 on it i can take it either way and you know i think you're right i think your point is certainly valid that not releasing a depth chart it maybe even creates more controversy i think it creates more controversy within the media and maybe with the fans, I don't think it does with the team. I think the team probably gets where he's going with this. I think Saban's looking for um, a, a leader on this team. Now, again, this is just me theorizing and, and maybe trying to play sunshine pumper, honestly. Um, but I think he's looking for a leader on this team. And when you do something like this, where you were effectively saying, I'm not doing depth charts. They're a distraction. Uh, they, they rank people. Uh, unnecessarily. Uh, again, I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just telling you maybe what, what his reasoning is. And maybe it gives a sense of community and togetherness. Uh, maybe that's what he's shooting for. Again, I'm spitballing here just like everybody else. Um, I don't think it's that big of a deal, honestly. But 
I personally do want to know who the quarterback is. And um, I think we're just delaying the inevitable a little bit. And the other theory is maybe Saban's just messing with the media a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's just something he wants to do. And, um, you know, every now and again he likes to show his ornery side, and maybe he's just doing just that. So I'm, not, I'm trying to read what it is while not reading too much into it. Luke, it is interesting, of course. We, we know what's looming in week two, um, you know, with the Texas Longhorns coming to town. Uh, if this schedule was a little bit different, let's say they opened with Middle Tennessee, let's say Chattanooga was week two, and then at South Florida week three. Do you think he would be playing this any different? Is it maybe the pressure's on a little bit that we want to see as much as we can before Texas comes in here in week two? You know, uh, on the podcast today, uh, on Locked on Bama, Jimmy and I talked about this, and I said, if Texas were week one, I would think, okay, the ambiguity at quarterback would be okay. But with Middle Tennessee Tennessee State week one, I was thinking it may be best to go ahead and announce a quarterback and give him that boost of confidence heading into the game. That was my take on it. Now, of course, it's been the absolute opposite. He decided not to release a depth chart. So, frankly, I don't know that Texas would have been any different. It made it, it would make a lot of sense to me to kind of keep Texas guessing because, really, it could be one of four quarterbacks. I mean, Dylan Lonergan has, has performed very well in practice, so it could be one of four quarterbacks. And I, I would understand if he would want to keep Steve Sarkeesian uh, preparing for all four. But with Middle Tennessee, I, I really thought that it would be, hey, Jalen Miller is our quarterback, and that would give him you know, a much-needed confidence boost heading into game one, and then he's ready for week two. But I think in the end, whoever starts week one, I really do believe they will start week two as well, and I think that'll be Jalen Miller. Yeah, I was going to go there next, Luke. The, um, you know, what we've heard at least, it sounds like, um, you know, that, that – the, the battle, like that Tyler Buckner came in, okay, it sounds like he's probably out of it. We've heard Jalen Milrow has made strides. I think back on SEC media days, um, you know, even talking with Greg McElroy, some of the guys there, I think some of them said they thought maybe Ty Simpson at the time. But Jalen Milrow's kind of made this push in recent weeks. I mean, it's as simple as say they'll probably throw out Milrow first and then Ty Simpson will come in at some point, maybe second half or something like that. I... At this point, I'm not sure. Um, I'll tell you what I would do, um, and Nick Saban's won a lot more games than I have, but I would probably start whoever that is going to be. And unless they are just a walking catastrophe, like the situation that happened against USC uh, back several years ago before Jalen Hurts took the reins in 2016, um, unless they are a catastrophe and they can't get the ball moved at all, then I would play my starter as much as I could. He needs the reps. Now, the backups need the reps, too, because the starter could get hurt in any second. But I don't think you can go around planning for games like that. And Milro has had significant playing time. He came in at a time when Alabama was playing Arkansas, but Alabama already had a pretty big lead. Now, he helped Alabama win that game towards the end. But Alabama, he had a nice cushion on the road. Then he plays against Texas A&M at home. And Alabama wins the game, but they need a, a last-second pass deflection to do it. So, um, I, and Milrow, while he didn't play poorly, everybody remembers his game as like being so poor. He actually had a pretty good game, especially for game one at night, a raucous crowd revenge game. 
but it wasn't great. It wasn't Bryce Young. Um, so Milrow doesn't have all these reps to fall back on. I, I think you got to play whoever it is as long as you can play them, you know, within reason. I mean, if it's 52 to nothing, yeah, get somebody else in there, maybe even 45 to nothing. But other than that, I, you got to let him sling it around the yard some and get used to this. Because, and I mean that if it's Milrow or Ty Simpson or Butner or Lonergan, it doesn't matter. I think whoever it is, you got to give them an opportunity to go out there and get their sea legs. Talk to everybody, Luke Robinson, host of Locked On Bama. Um, okay, we touched on Milrow a little bit. Give me some pros and cons on Ty Simpson. What did what did you see from him, at least in the spring game and, and practices? What's, what's the pros and cons with Ty? Uh, the pros with Ty is I, I think he may throw the prettiest ball of the bunch uh, more consistently. But the, the negative is experience, for sure, and the fact that there's something that's bothering me that I can't put my finger on um, in terms of why hasn't he taken control of this thing? In fact, you could say that about all four guys. I mean, maybe take Lonergan out since he's a true freshman. But the other three, why haven't they taken control? I mean, I, I guess if you want to make a case for Butners because he doesn't have chemistry with the team yet, that makes some sense. He wasn't even here in the spring. He just got here. So all he's had is really is the summer. Um, and if you want to say Milro, well, Milro's, you know, sort of an athlete playing quarterback. Um, okay, I can get that. So, But why hadn't Ty Simpson? Because when you watch his old high school tape, I mean, he was just awesome. I, I loved him. And frankly, soon as uh, this season ended, this last season ended, I was on the Ty Simpson train. I said, I just think he's going to be the guy. I just think he's got too much potential. And it, he, it just hadn't come to fruition yet. So I don't know what the problem is, but the fact that it hadn't come to fruition is a problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, man. I, I just really thought, you know, have we? You asked me back in January, you know, who's going to be the Alabama quarterback? I would have said, oh, it's going to be one of Simpson and Milrow, probably Milrow, and you know, they'll have this thing figured out by the summer, uh, or really, I thought maybe by the end of the spring, and so forth. To have gone this this long on, and for us to be in game week now and still don't know, um, is, is fascinating. Uh, one more for you, Luke. Uh, at least we've heard with Alabama, you know, that, that the defense is going to be more aggressive, uh, hearkening back to the Saban defenses of year pa- years past, and that dominant run game. Sounds like that offensive line is going to push people around now more. Are, are we overplaying this quarterback thing? Uh, because if Alabama's getting back to the old days of uh, 2009, 2010, uh, we should be more worried about a dominant run attack and dominant aggressive defense than we should on who's playing quarterback, right? I don't think we're overplaying it at all. The quarterback is the most important position in all the sports, if you ask me. I mean, it's the one sport. I mean, it, yeah, pitcher is important, but, you know, you have other pitchers that have to come in. You can only pitch so much. Uh, there, there are a lot of important positions, but quarterback is it in football. If you don't have a good quarterback, it doesn't matter how good the rest of your team is. You're going to be pretty bad. Um, and conversely, if you have a great quarterback then and, and a pretty average rest of the team, you can win a national championship. I mean, we've seen that a few times. You can come into Tuscaloosa in 2012 and beat an Alabama team that's got an all-time type defense. So, yeah, you it, quarterback is is never uh, being overplayed, if you ask me. But the other thing about you, you talked about 2010, something like that. Look, even at 2009, you know, Greg McElroy or somebody like a Jake Coker, those guys were much better than we knew. And on top of that, they they had dudes to catch the rock. Uh, Coker had Ardarius Stewart, who was fantastic in his own right. I would kill for an Ardarius Stewart right now. He had Calvin Ridley, 
who really performed well uh, in, in several instances as a true freshman. Um, you have and beyond. You had uh, Greg McElroy and Julio Jones, and I mean, you, you know, all these guys had dudes that they knew. Okay, worst case scenario, I'm going to throw it to this guy, and he's going to either catch it or um, it's, it might be incomplete, but nothing really bad is going to happen. And I don't know that Alabama's got one of those bailout options at, at wide receiver yet. That's the biggest problem for me for quarterbacks. I mean, think about if Jalen uh, Milrow or Ty Simpson or Buckner had a group of Waddle and Smith and Judy uh, and Rubs. I mean, they, they'd be looking a lot better. I think part of the problem is Alabama doesn't have the caliber of receiver right now that they've had um, the last several years. Uh, maybe somebody will step up. Maybe a Malik Benson or, or Isaiah Bonds, the light will come on, or Kendrick Law, something like that. I hope it does. I would love to see it. But right now, none of them are proven enough to make that happen. So the offensive line, yeah, everybody's getting, you know, lauding it with praise. And I, I'm looking forward to them being some road graders. But uh, we are going to need good play on the quarterback if Alabama wants to accomplish his goals for sure. All right, just because I like uh, poking the bear, Luke, last one. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's Alabama versus Middle Tennessee State. Uh, Middle Tennessee State played at Miami last year. They beat Miami in their house 45-31. to 31. They put up over 500 yards of offense. The defensive coordinator for Miami last year, Kevin Steele. Any concern with Kevin Steele coming in that this might not be, <laughs> it might not be what we're hoping it's going to be? Um, I think uh, one thing that I think is being undersold is how bad Miami was last year. Yeah, I mean, they were true. just a pretty bad team. And uh, Middle Tennessee, they started out pretty well last year. Jimmy Sign does a great write-up on Middle Tennessee uh, in the podcast this morning, or a talk-up, I guess, uh, based on a write-up he did. And, um, yeah, I, I, look, that doesn't really concern me all that much. Any more than it concerns me that Kevin Steele, if memory serves, was the defensive coordinator when West Virginia put 70 on Clemson. I think that's right. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, look, Kevin Steele is more aggressive, and um, I think this the caliber of player he has at Alabama this year far exceeds the caliber of player and the, the culture that he had at Miami last year. So I don't, I'm not looking for Middle Tennessee State to get 45 points and 500 yards. If they do, I will officially sign off from Alabama <laughs> because I won't be able to take the criticism. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, there. You know, you can, can. you imagine that line movement if Bama gives up 500 oh, yards yeah. to Middle Tennessee? I mean, Texas is going to be favored by oh, like oh. 14 next week if that if that oh. happens. But no, I expect good from Alabama. It's just going to be fascinating to see how this quarterback thing plays out. Prediction, Luke? Are you sticking with Milrow takes the first snap on Saturday? Yeah, I'm. I'm on the Milrow bandwagon right now. I'm on the whoever wins the job bandwagon, but I'm on the Milrow will start bandwagon right now, and I'm fine with that. I, in fact, I love it. The guy is just totally ripped. He looks like a Greek god, and I just want him to be a little accurate. And if he does that, Alabama's going to be as good as anybody. So yeah. uh, that's just what I need out of him. And that's another reason why, and I come full circle to the depth chart, I kind of wish he had been announced a starting quarterback to sort of give him a you know an attaboy heading into the game because I think sometimes those are good things to have. But again, I promise you, Nick Saban has probably consulted with some type of psychologist about how to handle this for the quarterback. So I feel I feel like in Nick Saban I trust. No doubt, and and I'm with you. I I think it's going to be Jalen Miller, and I think he's actually going to be really good. 
And I think we're going to be talking about he's going to his name will be thrown around the Heisman mix by the middle of the season. So all this overplaying the quarterback thing, I think whoever it is is going to be very good, very productive, very successful, and so much to the point we'll be talking about one of the best players in the country. I think so. We'll see how it plays out. He is Luke Robinson, of course, host of Locked On Bama. Luke, I'm sure uh, more of this conversation throughout the week on your podcast. Oh, that's I mean, look, Jimmy and I say it start off every day saying we could talk about quarterback, but it's all we'd end up talking about. So we, <laughs> we have to we force ourselves to talk about other things. And I'll say this about what you last said about Miller. I think it's in Alabama's best interest in terms from a brand recognition standpoint if Jalen Milrow wins the job because he is an Adonis. I mean, he's just he's just a, a you know, sculpted out of marble and he's a good kid. He's from Texas. He, he was committed to Texas. Alabama flipped him. Uh, game day will be there. There's almost no doubt. And that's going to be a huge scene. So the Texas kid gets to start against his home state where he was committed to the home school, and he puts on a show. That is great for brand recognition for him and for Alabama. And I think he has the best shot of all the people on the Tide roster to win that Heisman. Not saying he's going to do it, just saying he has the best shot. Yeah, and I think ESPN would love that to happen as well. He has Luke Robinson, of course, host of Locked on Bama. Luke, thanks for the time as always, man. Hey, appreciate you. Thanks, Chris. All right, uh, Luke does a great job there over at Locked on Bama. We appreciate him uh, hopping on with us and, and talking the latest on the Alabama quarterback battle, which we thought we'd have an answer to at this point uh, in the offseason, or really going into week one, but Nick Saban no depth chart out of Tuscaloosa. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Again, our thanks to Luke Robinson. Our thanks to you guys for making us your first listen every day. And uh, shout out to our everydayers. Tomorrow on the show, we'll be talking more about everything leading up to week one. Our buddy Chris Marler is going to join us. We'll uh, make some predictions for him. Who's going to win the SEC East, SEC West, SEC Championship? Who's making the playoff? We'll make all of our season predictions tomorrow on the show right here on Locked on SEC. But for now, you guys go have a great day. And um, again, come back tomorrow. We'll be talking all things SEC football right here on Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. Have a great day, everybody.